Hi guys, welcome to season two, episode eight of the Man V Fat podcast. It's been a while, admittedly. This is the first podcast of 2021. As ever, I am joined by producer extraordinaire, uh, videographer, all-round tech guy. He's like um, the guy in the van who's helping James Bond, telling him where the cameras are, telling him where the bad guys are. He's basically Simon Pegg for a Mission Impossible. Uh, Mr. Roman Conrad. I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you said uh, Simon Pegg for Mission Impossible because I got... When you're saying in the van helping out, I got E Honda out of Street Fighter 2 when him, him and Balrog are in the van and Cammy's the news reporter, or Chun Lee, sorry, the news reporter. And we've gone straight away to a Street Fighter 2 uh, film reference. That was early days, man, early days, but yeah. Got a film reference in there, but yeah. Um, so basically, what you're trying to say is um, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is you, you are the, the, the tech guy, the guy that we rely on. That's, uh, that's, you know what? I enjoy it, I enjoy it. Will you take that? Will you take that? I'll take that, I'll take it. Good, good. Also, as ever, on the Mommy Fat Podcast, we are joined by co-host uh, Mr Ross Hunter. Hello, Stu and Rob, how are you two? <laughs> Very well, mate. How are you? Someone sounds happy. Um, that was my fake inner happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised that normally, because normally Ross just jumps in there before Stu can actually fully announce me. I was, I know. When he when he first mentioned that Ron was, what was it you said? And I nearly jumped in and I thought, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So I didn't. I was very good this time. Is that, you're dishing out your chippy tea, as we speak? Yeah. To be fair, I mean... The the kids are having chippy tea. You've got to have the rest of the chips that they're not going to eat, haven't you? That's like the rules. And plus, I've had a bad day today. I'm allowed. I don't care. What are you, what are you having for your chippy? What's your go-to chippy meal, Ross? I'm a little bit odd, to be honest. Yeah, not we, know, lie. we know. We know. <laughs> not even in the chippy world. A little bit odd. I like... Um, I either have chips and curry with a cheese and onion pie separate... So I can dip my cheese and onion pie in the curry sauce and then eat it that way rather than trying to chop it up with the fork or whatever you're having. Uh, pudding, chips and gravy or fish, chips and gravy with loads of gravy all over the fish. And I know that really winds a lot of people up, but that's what I like. There you go. What about you? What's your go-to chip here, Ron? Uh, not Ross's. <laughs> uh, fish, chips, mushy peas. Um, curry sauce and a balm, buttered balm cake because I'm a fat bastard and uh, some dandelion and burdock oh now we're talking proper drink proper drink that mate fish chips mushy peas bread and butter cup of tea boom Blackpool Beach there we are cup of tea yeah you got to have a cup of tea fish and chips do you get a, you get a no. penny on when you eat it as well no it's how you put it in Cup of tea. Oh, get cup of tea. Yeah, cup of tea. Can of him so done. Can of him so. What? What? I was saying this to Jenny the week because um, we had a chip of tea. Is it? Because I said I'll fancy some red wine with it, and Jenny looked at me, and went, "No, you have beer with chip of tea." And I was like, "Got a point." But what would you associate with a chip of tea? What alcoholic drink would you associate with chip of tea? Alcohol. No, I'm. Mm. No, I'm a. I'm a pop. When I have chip of tea, I've yeah. got off pop. Yeah, it's all salt, isn't it? You need some sugar to. Yeah, Dandelion Bear, that's a good shout. Cream soda's not a bad shout, to be fair. What? 
Yeah. Cream soda. Yeah, with ship of tea. No, Dandelion and Burdock, I'll give you. Cream soda. Tizer. Just about to say that I'm red, damn red, damn. You know what? Red, damn busy, busy, busy. <laughs> Tizer tastes like shit compared to what it used to taste like. It's not the same as it used to taste. I'm not even. Do they still do Tizer? Yeah, I might be just showing my age there. Yeah. I'm probably going back to when E numbers <laughs> weren't banned. Used to say, "Oh, wagon wheel used to be sizey red, all that." <laughs> <laughs> probably the size of your beard. That's what I'll go with. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Stockport. Is it called Rogers Rogers Warehouse or something like that? Rogers, and it's set, it's, it's out of date goods that you can buy in bulk. Looks pretty decent. I've never have you been Have you been saving that one for a segue to our guest? How, how long no, have you been working that no. one in? You, you've thought you've Googled as many Roger places as you possibly could in the whole of the Northwest <laughs> to try and find a segue. And that's the best you could come up with. Hey, it just popped into my head. I did not think about anything. <laughs> yeah, we know we didn't think about it. Anyway, taking that, that terrible segue that Roman just tried to do, uh, we've got uh, a guest on, on the podcast today. Um, that is uh, somebody who's been involved with Man V Fat for, uh, I would say, pretty much five years, four or five years since the inception, um, as has coaching various leagues in the Southwest, is uh, a Manvy Fat Award winner, is the coach of Manvy Fat Challenge, is uh, well-respected from all the coaches, all the players you've ever come with contact with. That is Mr. Roger Smith. Roger, how are we? You forgot he's never felt so Southern in his life. What's with all that? Right, Roger, on that note, hit me with your chippy tea. Um, jumbo sausage, fish cake chips, and a pot of curry sauce. Yeah, I'll take that. Decent, that. Yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot fish bits as well. What do you call them down south? Because we call them fish bits up here, but apparently it's different names. It's scrapes or something. Scraps or something like that. Yeah. Crap. I know what scraps are. I want to know what fish bits were. To be fair. Is it, I, I just always said fish bits, but if the proper term scraps, I'll, I'll stick with scraps. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm liking that, Rog. I'm liking that uh, that chippy tea. That's decent. And I, like, I always like the fact that, um, despite um, what is the perception up north, that you you went for some kind of liquid on your on your chippy. As oh, I've got to have that, yeah. As a, that. Yeah, I know a lot of us up north think that um, when we go down south, that you never have. Anything wet. <laughs> the Peter K sketch of the is that out moist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, a, and a, I'll spoil it all now by saying a glass of milk. With your chippy oh. tea? Glass of milk with chips. Try it. I, hang on a minute. That's that's got my head my head's gone west. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock it till you tried it, Rob. Do you know what? Next chippy tea, I'm craving chippy right now, so it's a possibility I might have one on a Saturday. And I will. Is it got? A, is, okay, we're going technical now. Is it just general milk, or is it whole milk, skim milk, semi-skimmed, banana? Oh, you see, I'm. Well, I am a bit odd anyway, but um, since 1995, I've drunk UHT milk. Oh. 
So cold UHG semi skim milk. Okay, so you expect I've got some of that in the in the uh, in the cupboard since last lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody has its first lockdown. It, it does last forever, to be fair. Yeah. My lord. Tastes like it lasts forever as well. <laughs> Have you ever, Ross, you'll, you'll know this actually, have you ever been like uh, on the road and you've maybe had some kind of, um, some breakfast in the morning, like a bowl of cereal in the hotel room and all you've got some little pots of UHT milk? Have you ever done that? I've never done that. Don't, don't bother. <laughs> I've never done that ever in my life when I've been in a lot of hotel rooms. You must have, <laughs> you must have had, obviously you have a brew when you get to the hotel room when you're on the road, don't you? Yeah, and you get those snidey little pots of milk. Yeah. Never mind that. And the packs of two biscuits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been to some good some good places with biscuits. With like ginger and ginger and chocolate biscuits in them and stuff like that. They've they've been I was quite impressed. No, but anyway, we dig we digress. <laughs> I used to work away for months at a time and I would insist on them popping up the biscuits every day. Every day. And I'd get home and the bag the Clothes bag would li literally just be full of those packets of biscuits. I wouldn't buy biscuits for months. You no, know, I, I could, I could go on here. Every time I hear biscuits, I just think. Do you remember when your mum used to come over and mark it with a bag of broken biscuits? Yeah. Oh yeah, broken biscuits were badass. Oh, you, you can buy a box of broken biscuits from in the range, big box of it. Can yeah. you? Yeah. Burton's biscuits used to be less than a mile away from where I went to school in South Wales, in, in Cumbran, Lantan and Comp, less than a mile across the way. And um, we we didn't really ever buy a school lunch because we just went to Burton. <laughs> staff shop. Yeah. We just raised staff shop. That's something we have in common because I, I'm less than, a, less than a mile away from Vitti's. Ah, there you go. And I always say that when you've been on a night out into Manchester and you're coming back to the sunny Stockport, you always know you're, you're nearly home because you can smell the digestives and then you pass it. Oh, it's notorious, isn't it? The smell that comes from that place, it's... Oh, it's good. It is. Good. It is. Anyway, away from biscuits and chippies and all that kind of <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, if you've not had anything to eat today, because you're probably really hungry now. We've got the, we've got the fatness out of the way. We've got the fat bits out of the way. Let's, let's concentrate on the health bit. <laughs> is this a podcast about like losing weight? We did help. What not to do? Yeah. What are we having for chippy tea? What's the worst, the, the most old school can of pop you can find? And what's your favourite biscuit? Oh, come on, guys. Anyway, so Roger, absolutely uh, a pleasure to have you on. We've been trying to get you on for time on and off for ages, um, but finally, finally got a day that works. Start off at the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit about your your kind of involvement with Manvi Fat back in the early days. I think you you precede pretty much any of the coaches that we uh, we currently still have, and, and probably a lot of the players as well. I was the first player to sign up for the Bridgewater Manby Fat Football League in May 2016. Um, I basically never taken any notice of the fact that I was getting fatter and fatter and fatter, but decided that I wanted to be a bit fitter, so joined the gym, hated every minute of it, and stood on the scales one, one, night, one night at the gym. They said... 
just that one night they were on um, stones rather than kilos. And I was 16 stone 10, and I said to the wall, fuck that, I've got to do something about this. And the following day, there was a piece in the local paper about the first um, league in Bridgewater. Bear in mind, there was only Fox Follies going at the time with the Gallon brothers. Um, so we were the second league in the country. And um, yeah, 23rd, I think, 23rd or 25th of May 2016 was the first session. Mental, absolutely mental. It seems like forever ago. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, there weren't it, people like Rich Crick and you know, Tim and, and everything, they were they were still in the background then. It was Shannon, Terry, and Dan Ford, bless him. Terry, Terry Dowding, and Dan Ford did my registration session. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty mental, but it was, it was just. Like a, like we hear a lot, so much from all the guys that, that take part. It was just instant. From the from the very first kind of registration session, we actually had a week off for the first week because it was a bank holiday. So we came and we did our um, our first kind of week one football matches. Um, and I still remember two of the biggest blokes on the pitch ran into each other and bounced off them like. A Warner bro, you know, Hanna Barbera cartoon. It was just so funny, um, and I just knew, I just knew it was for me. Just at that point, it was brilliant. Had you, had you, had you played quite a bit of football in your youth, Roger? Or was it something you? Yeah, as a, as a young lad, and then really nothing from about the age of nineteen. I was a dad at twenty, and other things kind of took over. So I played a bit every now and then. A few of the jobs I'd had, we'd have a six-side team or something, but it wasn't competitive. It was just piss about after work, really. Um, but it was always there, you know. I, my love for football was always there. So um, it just, it, it, if it wasn't for the fact that it was that next day after going to the gym, I still don't think I would have ever signed up. Yeah. It was kind of just, you know, the timing was 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 just right. Um, I did, well, I started doing um, a lot of the kind of local BBC news pieces as well. So I was in, in front of the camera um, and it was it was really just my, my whole aim at the beginning. But yeah, I wanted to lose, I, I decided I had to lose some weight. But I wanted my, my I think he was about 11, 12 at the time, my lad, um, maybe a little bit older, he used to introduce me to his mates and he'd say, this is my lad, this is my dad, he's fat. That was his introduction to his mates. Says, cheers, mate. cheers, mate. Um, and I just wanted really to get to the stage where he didn't do that, really, as much as anything. You know, now we kind of, we, we encourage the guys to set their targets and we advise them on what's essential weight loss and and all that kind of stuff. At the time, literally all I wanted was that my lad didn't think I was a fat bug. Yeah. That's, you know? That's, that's a, you know, it's, it's really powerful, I suppose. Um, and we do, like, you know, we encourage you guys to set specific targets and stuff like that, but it is, they're always the driving forces, aren't they, them, them kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, 
I was I was captain of um, of uh, of the green team in Bridgewater, and I came up with some smarter. One of our lads was, was due to it was due to get married, and I came up with some smart ass name that I really wish that I could remember now, because all these years down the line, it is probably in line for one of the crappiest manly fat names ever. <laughs> Talk about overthinking it. You know what I mean? When you look at how many man cities we've got and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it honestly, it was just, it was so awful that I, I refused to even bring it to the front of my brain. It was horrible. <laughs> it's just been forgotten about. It's oh, yeah. It's trauma, doesn't it? Absolutely. So we, yeah, yeah we, we had a pretty good team. I, I really enjoyed being a captain again. You know, throughout all my work life, I've, I've kind of been... The, the the guy leading the way, if you like, and I enjoyed that with the with the football. Um, we had another team that it was between the two of us for the league, um, the red team. Shout out to a guy called Dan Morgan if he ever hears this, because he he basically picked the ball off one of my one of my defenders in the last twenty seconds of the penultimate game of the season, and who. The defender, like literally, could have kicked it anywhere, and and almost picked it up and gave it to Dan. Um, and Dan, he he was biggest loser of that league as well. But um, he scored in the last twenty seconds and took the league away from us. Um, wow! I'm still bitter now. <laughs> Not much. That was August 2016, and it hurts. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to ask a couple really of questions, if, if possible. Just like say when you said you were 16 stone. Now, 16 stone isn't that heavy um, in, in the scheme of things of where a lot of people are and a lot of people that probably listen to this are going, Christ, if your kid's going, you're fat at 16 stone. Um, and I, I can say that because I'm weighing more than that at the moment. So I, I'm not happy about it, but you know what I mean? Um, so was that was that the key driver? Was there a goal that you wanted to get down to? Or, I mean, how tall are you, Roger? I, can't, I can only see, obviously, your foot. head and shoulders. I'm, I'm six foot, so my BMI was 32-something or other. Um, That's not big at all, is it? No, it's not really. I was, it was the fact that it was 16, 10, and it, it, it just... It struck me that that's nearly 17 foot. That's what it was. That's nearly 77. And for somebody who, I mean, I was, I was six foot when I was 12. And I've been, I've been a rate for the, for the majority of my life. And like we all know, it just kind of creeps up, doesn't it? You know? Mm. Um, and I didn't take any notice of the fact that people around me were saying, putting on a bit there, you know, or I wasn't, I wasn't able to get into a 34 jeans and, you know, oh, well, I'll just buy a 36, you know, it was, it literally took no notice. People that were losing weight through all these, some of these other programs and counting points and sins and stuff, I just used to just decry, really. I just, what the hell are you doing that for? That's an absolute bloody nonsense. Um, because I just, it, I didn't take any notice of myself. Um, and that's quite sad, really, but it's a situation that we all find ourselves in. I used to, I used to be out of breath putting my socks on in the morning. You know, um, 
So it, it was just time, really. I didn't really know it at that point. And my, my lovely wife were, now says, I've been telling you for years, but you took no notice. And I think it had to be my decision. It had to be the yeah. right time for me, you know? Um, and it, it, it was literally just that fact that it, the scales weren't on kilos. Because I've been weighing on the kilos every now and then while I've been going. But it didn't mean anything to me. And just that one night, and it was, right, let's change it. Let's do something about it. Um, I didn't know what I was, I didn't have any plan or any expectation, really, apart from just that, if I could get a bit of respect from a teenager, that would have been enough at the start. Yeah. How, how, how well did you do that first season? How much did you lose? I lost um, 15.8 kilos, I think it was. Something like that. And I was just, I, I was absolutely just as nuts. I decided at that point that that was me done, really. I got down to a, to a level that everybody around me was, um, was kind of commenting. On, on how good I looked and, and how much weight I'd lost. And I was a shopping centre manager at the time, and I used to have these kind of promotions. You know, we'd have Pepper Pig and um, Fireman Sam and Thomas the Tank and all that kind of thing. And I sent my boss uh, one of the promo shots at one point the year before with Pepper Pig. And his reply just came back as, which one's Pepper Pig? You know. And again, I just thought you you thought it. I just ignored it. Um, so yeah, I was I was I was just as nuts to be to be where I was at that point. Um, and I decided that I was going to probably step away from the league. Our coach Jeff Stevens um, was my my coach for that league, and he got a job up at Bristol City with a community trust up there. And and I was asked to, if I wouldn't mind you know, looking at the coaching side of it. And again, I've always been a cop on a spin. You give me a chance to be in charge and I'll, and I'll take it every time, really. Um, so I thought, yeah, yeah, we'll have a go at that. Um, again, with not really that much expectation. Um, but I think probably from the first registration session I did for the guys in Bridgewater, Bridgewater, well, recruitment in the Southwest, you'll know this more than ABC. Recruitment in the Southwest for players is tricky. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Um, we started Bridgewater, it was funded. We started the first league with about 50, ended with, I think, 30. Had the usual kind of few dropout afterwards. Um, at my, my registration session, I think I had about 18 there. So. Terry and I, we put a hold on for four weeks. I completely, absolutely abused my position as a shopping centre manager. And I had leaflets. I had. Anybody remember the old, um, who ate all the pies posters? Yeah, I remember those. The Ronaldo posters. They were in the toilets. I'd, I, I would, um, I'd have the security guards at the time handing out leaflets. I, I absolutely abused my position to, um, and get try and get a few more guys signed up. I think we started about three three weeks later with forty eight guys and never looked back. Excellent. 
So from from that position, from you obviously taking on the coaching role at Bridgewater and pretty much recruiting the full league to, to get a second season up and running, where did you, obviously, you must have seen, I mean, we're talking five years ago, the second, the second Bridgewater was the, the second league um, that obviously you, you, was, you were a part of. How, how you must have seen that the, the, the programme grew from that point Oh, I mean, scores and, and weights and scores were all on an Excel spreadsheet when I started. There was no backup system like we got in place now or anything like that. Um, Jeff, bless him, we used to get we used to get one text message or WhatsApp message a week with the, the fixtures for the next, you know, the next week, and that's your lot kind of thing. Um, but that's been part of the fun. That's been part of the part of the, the good thing about it, and being able to to kind of point out any changes, anything that we think would work well. And I think the whole you know the whole HQ team at all times have always been kind of open to that. Sometimes not necessarily completely open to Michael, but that's just me, really. <laughs> like I say, gob on a stick. Um, but it's. You know, we we quickly. Um, I think not. Long, I think as I started, as the league started, we had the real basis of the computer system that we've got now coming into place, and it was a bit ropey, a bit shaky, but it we it did what we had to do at the time. Um, we got it. We've we've steadily, and you can chart it probably with essentially with the growth of the program with how much more professional we've had to be as we've, as we've gone through. Uh, I recruited for, I think it was about November, December that year, we recruited to Yeovil. And again, it was really tricky. We put it back for weeks. We started it in the, the January of 2017. Um, but still people didn't know it, didn't know what the programme was. You know, the Follies was the raving success on it. At the beginning, it was, it, it was all pop collies and stoke, really, at the beginning. And if you were in and around that area, and then Manchester League started, if you were up there, you knew what Manby Fat was. If you were, you didn't have a bloody clue, really. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, it was interesting to, I did quite a, few, quite a lot of the, the media down this way as well. Um, and it was interesting even there to see, even like the, the local news reports, their attitude changed towards what we were doing and how we were doing it. And, oh, hang on, you've got another league down here now. Well, that's really good, you know. Um, when Sky Sports News came to Yo, it, it really was like, this is something that the whole country needs to know about. You know, and, and that, that was a a credit to all the, the back of house stuff that was going on, but also, and I've always said it, our, our, the guys that take part in our league are always the best advert we're ever going to have, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and, and, and the differences that they were making to their lives were, um, were just, well, they couldn't be disputed. The more we spread throughout the country, the more people just saw, bloody hell, they, 
how, how do you, you think that the um, those early days? Um, how do you think that the that the earlier media coverage? Um, how do you think that that was framed a little bit? I I know that um, there was a, a a newspaper that shall remain um, unnamed um, that had a really kind of disparaging article about look at these fat guys playing football, aren't they funny? Um, and they used some um, some really kind of um, some really bad photos of the guys. Like they came to the session and they took countless photos um, and they used the worst photos of guys, you know. I've not, I've not heard yeah, of that. Yeah, guys falling over and, uh, and, and guys yeah. um, not necessarily uh, looking the best. Um, and I know that that was the way that they framed the article a little bit. Obviously, we were... Yeah. It was, it was, what does it what does it sound like? Uh, it sounds it rhymes with um, the the uh, current bun, should we say? Okay. So yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't great. I mean, the very first um, piece we did for um, the local BBC News down in this neck of the woods, the the, the reporter was the skinniest um, young lady you could ever wish to meet. Who, who looked like she'd never seen so many fat blokes in her life, you know? Um, and in fairness, she she was really good. But what I found down, down in this neck of the woods is that we got a bit more credibility. Um, fair play to the to BBC Points West because they showed on, on camera, it's still on the Man Be Fat YouTube channel, I think, the two best right footed goals I've ever scored in my life. You know, my right foot has only ever been for standing on. Um, and these two goals were, I, they were just, they were, they were worldly. Well, they were in my mind anyway. <laughs> and, and, but their attitudes, their attitudes changed as they saw the, the, the kind of, um, the results that we were getting. And I think that, Talking to Shan quite a lot of the time, um, that that was kind of reflected nationwide as well. I mean, we had we had leagues that caused us trouble as well in in, in the early days, um, probably because people were just they didn't necessarily get it, but overly competitive. Yeah, um, and I I. I been around the media for, for, for did you uh did you did you play in the league with rom uh with rom and Stu by any chance roger I, <laughs> well, funnily enough, but i did do the man be fat 24 hour the manchester 24 hour charity game oh yeah thank you i took it i brought a team up from yeovil and, and bridgewater and, and i i yes i'd organized 24 hour game in bridgewater in february 2017 this year, Man v Fat is raising money for Shooting Stars Children's Hospice, who due to COVID-19 are having to stop providing end-of-life and emergency respite for so many families who are still relying on them during this difficult and challenging time. If you'd like to find out more information about this amazing charity, then head over to manvfat.org to find out more. Um, and it was out. And I remember at the time saying, 
look, we'll come up and we'll do the night shift. Because no matter what people tell you, you will need people there through the night. Yeah. You know? Um, because that's where we had it. We had people dropping out all over the place through the night. It was easy to get another league to come down um, or, or kind of invite local leads, which is what we did, uh, local businesses and all that kind of stuff. It was easy for three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. They all wanted to be part of it. But yeah. three o'clock on a Sunday morning, nobody was there and we were falling about on our arse. But, uh, I, I think that we, we definitely, John, who organised that, definitely took advice on board because, weirdly, the nights were, were absolutely fine. Um, it was the Sunday morning when, when, when we struggled to get guys. So it was like from like 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning because most of the guys had recognised that these from about midnight. My, I myself, I'd, I'd played, gone home, had a nap, came back out from about one, two o'clock, um, recognising that this was probably going to be the struggle. And everyone was there. <laughs> and then it got to like 10 o'clock and we worried. Everyone who'd been there in the night was like, I'm going to need to go home and get some sleep. So that was where we, we kind of struggled a little bit. And the guys who, um, who were still playing it on Sunday morning at like 10 o'clock, I think it finished at midday. And for the last two, two or three hours, they were the real troopers in my eyes because I was, I was in bed asleep. Yeah, I did for our 24 hours. I was there for the whole 24 hours and I played for 19 and a half. That's crazy, Rog. My, my wife, at one point, bless her constructs, the only way she could see us, we did it in our local YMCA, so we were indoors, and the YMCA basically gave me their building. They had one member of staff just sitting at the desk, falling asleep, and they basically just gave me the building. So my wife came in, and she she's a beauty therapist by trade, so she was giving, like, massages to the lads after two in the morning. Um, there's one guy, well... He looked like he'd never been happy, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> he even played, Roger. He just turned up for the massage. No, no, he, 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 he did play, but I tell you what, he, he wasn't up to much after it, I can assure you. Did you get the wrong end of the stick? Excuse me, is this a 24-hour massage? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I will dig out, if I can, I will dig out the photo um, of, of that, and I'll ping them across to you guys, because... Again, this guy was called Joel. It's ridiculous. I can remember all this stuff, but with my ME, I can't remember this morning. Um, guy called Joel, and he, he literally looked like it was just the best thing on earth. Like, it's like he'd had the best sex ever, honestly. Did you, did you, work, did you score, um, or did you have scores in Manchester for the 24 hours? I can't remember, to be honest. I don't know, but I ca I came on at about ten o'clock in the morning when they've been playing a while and scored about forty-five, so it was great. <laughs> I remember that was in South <sighs> Bridgewater was something like five hundred and twenty-seven to four hundred and twenty-six or something. We we kept it going. Yeah, it was. It was. I think somebody. It, it might be Motty to be fair was keeping score because it sounds like something Motty would have done. But um, but yeah, it was. Um, it was horrendous, but I remember that Shan scored a volley, and it was it was at a goal centre, and there's cameras there, so you it it records you, and you press a button, and it it, it records basically goes back to the previous thirty seconds, or whatever. And he scored a volley, and it's the only time I've ever seen him score a goal ever, and he was absolutely buzzing. He was unbearable, wasn't he? 
Honestly, he was absolutely buzzing. In fact, I think I'm pretty certain you mentioned it on the podcast when he came on the other week. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he was unbearable. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that. Oh, that no, this is uh, this is only on my phone, but in a local paper, there's a piece in a local paper. 375 to 340 was the score. And I, I mean, I don't know what you guys were like, but I did. Um, I I worked my press contacts for the Hill, and we had again the local. I think it was ITV this time came down. They sent a cameraman down for the, for the final five minutes, and and to do an interview with me. But literally 10 minutes before he arrived, I just had this absolute rush of emotion come over me at the fact that we'd finished it. And the only way I could deal with it, bear in mind, I'd played football for 19 and a half out of the last 24. There was a big corridor alongside the, the side of the gym that we were playing in. And I just ran up and down that corridor for about three or four minutes. And the guy came in and... You must be you must be on your knees, and I felt I was buzzy enough to do in that until you put the camera on, and I literally looked like the saddest man in the world on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I could hardly open my mouth. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I calculated. That I I think I played um, for about seven hours straight. I think it was. No, not straight. Seven hours altogether. Yeah. Um, and went over and had a nap. But yeah, I couldn't imagine 19 hours. Was going to have been absolutely dying. We had, we had a KFC delivery, right? KFC donated food to us. Bear in mind, it's a man before 24 hour challenge. And KFC delivered food to us at about 11 o'clock at night. I don't know who the hell organised it, but we were still eating it at like four in the morning. I imagine this like just big dustbin full of of KFCs just arrived, and it's like, oh my god, guys, still play football, but if you're off the yeah. pitch right now, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, the, the, I'm a sub. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. the, the venue had literally just given us the venue, so the, the pile of wrappers that they came into the next morning, the boxes and stuff, it was hideous, and the smell of the place. You know, all us that had kind of just been running around for all that time, added on to the KFC, it was pretty vile. Yeah, the good thing about we we were outdoors, the good thing was it was dry, it stayed dry. Yeah. I imagine that if it had started to rain at some point, that would have been really, really tough. But yeah, we, we it managed to stay dry. I remember um, people would just randomly just turn up with different things. So I can remember... Uh, uh, <laughs> Rob Dixon, you know, God rest his soul, turned up with, he had the biggest bag of Jaffa cakes I've ever seen in my life. He turned up with that. I remember Sven um, turning up with, with um, I think she had like just a massive bag of fruit and she's like, look, just tuck in guys. It was, uh, it was my, I think we ended up getting pizza as well. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. But the venue was so good for us as well. Oh, they were well. amazing, weren't they? Yeah, the venue were really, really good. Um and it, it helps they were well and with what we're trying to do which is really good put. so yeah watch this space there's a blast from the past as well Sven yeah Sven yeah. Sven, Sven uh, uh, announced Sven uh, just had a baby that's right yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Manby yeah. Fats first naked way in, Gia. Yes. Naked way in, was it? First naked way. That admit. night, the I... coaches group went mental. Because she put this message on. I probably still got it on my phone. I, I don't delete anything. Um, and the coaches just group just went mental at kind of how awful it must have been for her to have to have had a naked way and, and she just she loved every second of it. I think I was actually in the room yeah. for that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm just trying to think who that would have been, but... You probably were not Just standing proud I, there I, showing I, his guns. Like. I, wasn't, I wasn't purposely going to open up to that one, but I might have got dropped down to my... and cupped myself at some weeks during that, during that first season, to be fair. Yeah. So I don't think it was one week <laughs> for poor Sven, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> oh, Sven was good. She was, she was good. Yeah, we miss you, Sven. I know she listens every now and then. Yeah, I miss Sven. Sven was good. Best coach we've ever had. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'll confirm that. I'll confirm 100% that. that. How can you say that? Undo P. Easily. Quite easily. I speak the truth. <laughs> Shoot, can you argue though that she is the best coach? I don't know because I've only ever played under one coach. <laughs> oh, look, he's got that song. I played with Tom Shirley actually. So, yeah, I agree. She's the best coach I've played under. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder if she had a, I wonder if the cravings for pregnancy was carrots. Because <laughs> she had yeah. carrots all the time. She went, she had achieved something. Check out when the baby was born. She's got love, pass me carrot. There you go. Oh, I like Sven. Sven was a good girl. She was good. We miss Sven. If you ever go to Australia, I'll definitely be looking Sven up. Oh, yeah. Again, we have, added to that, we had the first St. George's Park in 2017. Yeah, I think, Ross, you played there, didn't you, for the first one? Yeah. You played, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play that first one. Yeah, I played the first one because I, I had all these grand ideas of playing on the indoor training pitches and we were outside. Uh, really crap rubber crumb. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> to be fair, it looked lovely. I can't say I ever played on it, but it looked lovely. Yeah, we. Um, it was the David Beckham pitch, wasn't it? Yeah, the it David was. David Beckham pitch. Do you know what I really... Do you know what I really liked about it was all the the families coming yeah. down and supporting people because it that that was a bit that got to me because my wife wasn't there. Um, is all the support that all the other lads were getting from because it shows you what life changing it is to families, not just fellas. You're talking about it's changing people, other people's lives and stuff. So it was that. Going a bit deep there, but I did quite like that side of it. Yeah, to be absolutely. Fair. Another shout out for the YouTube channel. Check out John Joyce from Bridgewater at the time with his his wife and young baby. Um, so so was that? Uh, I've seen that. I've seen that because that was filmed at St George's. Yeah, yeah. And a really, another really shoddy video of me, actually. I have to say. The second year we were on the indoor. And it yeah. was absolutely freezing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I was the first one in that day. Me and Dan Ford kind of turned up at the same time. And as you opened the door to that, I mean, 
the, the facility was incredible, wasn't it? It was absolutely yeah. amazing. But as you open the door to that pitch area, it was literally like walking into a freezer. It was yeah. horrid. It was so cold. That was my one piece of advice yeah. to anybody who was going the second year. I was like, um, you, we need to get, you know, to make sure that even though you're indoor, get your gloves and hat and all that kind of thing on. Yeah. Heady days, eh? Yeah, heady days, heady days indeed. So, Rog, talk to me through, you touched on it a little bit earlier, um, a little bit about, you know what I mean, and going through um, an illness. Talk to me a little bit about, obviously, where you were at and how, how, how you got diagnosed and whatnot. Yeah, well, I was, I was fitter than I'd ever been um, in my life. I was running 50 miles a week. I was doing half marathons. I just signed up to um, to run in the Lisbon Marathon the following year. I kind of figured that if I'm ever going to do a marathon, it'll probably only be one, and I'm going to need a week off, so I might as well have holiday and do a foreign one. Um, and I just woke up one Friday morning in November uh, 2019, it must have been. No, 2018. Yeah, 2018. And um, just could hardly move. We literally struggled to get to the loo, you know? Uh, we kind of thought, oh, he's, it's the flu, is what we thought. And as time went on, I mean, I, you know, you get the old joke from, from all the family, oh, it's the man flu and all this kind of stuff. Um, I knew it wasn't right because I was getting sympathy from my wife. Yeah, so I knew I was I knew I was proper ill. Um, so I went to the doctor and he, yeah, yeah, it's probably just some virus. Keep going, you know. Christmas came and went. Well, that Christmas, I think I saw, I don't know, about an hour of Christmas Day. That then, I was still at the time trying to to kind of do my leagues in Bridgewater and Thornton. In fairness, I was a mess. I, could, I couldn't talk properly. There was no voice coming out, essentially. But I was, I was kind of flinging myself to be there. We had a family holiday beginning of the January the, next, the 2019 in Bluestone in, in Pembrokeshire in Wales. And um, I just wrote an email saying, I, I need a break. I can't do this. I've got some cover. Um, and looking back, I don't know how I was even able to, to do what I'd done previously. I was sleeping 18 hours a day. You know, I, I've always liked the kit, but 18 hours is a, is a bit much. Um, my voice went completely. There was no, literally no sound coming out of my, my, from my voice at all. Um, for anybody that doesn't, that knows anything about ME, it's probably the fact that it used to be called yuppie flu back in the 80s, you know, and, and I, as a, as a manager in various walks of life, I'd probably fallen foul of just telling people, Christ's sake, get a grip, get yourself into work, you'll be fine. But I couldn't get out of bed. And if I ever did get out of bed, the only place I went was to the loo or to the sofa. And that was it, you know. I, so it was hell. It, 
it stopped my life. And uh, 2019 was a year that I absolutely, I, I lost the whole year. Um, it was, it was something that I'd never want to repeat in any way, shape or form. But it's mad, isn't it? You learn so much about yourself and, and kind of what you can, what you can withstand and, 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 all, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I've come out of it a better person by a long shot. I was always a nice bloke, don't get me wrong. Um, it's not I've heard, Roger. You know what I mean? I've heard you right back. All right, I was a doctor, really. <laughs> um, I, I always had a problem of, of not saying no. Really. And I would pile on so much in, 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 my, in my life. I mean, at the time... Cardiff had had some issues, so I was helping out in Cardiff a lot of the time. Um, if, if there was ever a problem in the southwest, I was just there. So my man be fat life was just took on forever. Plus, me and my wife foster, so you know that's never a, a, a kind of a nine to five job. Um, through my through my job in the shopping centre, I was kind of the unofficial plan centre manager. And I was involved with anything that was going on locally in Bridgewater. And I just refer to it now as I, I stopped and my body stopped for me. You know, um, none of us expected it to be what it is. And, and I'd say even now, I'm probably 80%, only 80% of, of what I, what I was able to do um, before. And, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to 100%, but I don't beat myself up about that anymore. You know, for for months and months and months, I would, I grieved for the person I was because I couldn't do it. You know, when I couldn't get out of bed or I couldn't um, move, even moving about the house is difficult, you know. Um, I, I would just keep telling myself, this is just stupid. You were running half marathons this time last year. What the hell are you doing? Put yourself out. Um, and unfortunately, ME is one of those things where you, there isn't a cure. There isn't any medication. You can't click your fingers. Um, so I went to a specialist clinic locally and, and just learned about having to manage it really and, and, and kind of way to help myself. So what, what does that look like, Roger? What does it, so um, what does, you know, managing it and, and, and also did you have to make any kind of lifestyle changes, obviously, um, to try and manage it as well? Oh, absolutely. My lifestyle has changed massively. The first thing that, that we did was we kept an activity dial. So, um, we had we had kind of a, a a daily chart, if you like, and we had to colour in in different colours whether we were sleeping or whether we were active and what we were doing when we were active and all this kind of stuff. Um, and Emmy is so it varies so much for so many different people that in the in the room of about eight of us in this in this um, clinic, we all had different charts. And, and I suppose the biggest thing, really, the first thing to learn was that it was so different. So 
the fact that I was like crap for months and months and months. But actually, these other people were like crap. They were just like crap in a different way. That's, that was a big realisation because you, you then kind of think, well, actually, I could start to do something about it. So it was, I was told at the time by all the medical professionals that I was dealing with at the time, we don't encourage people with this condition to sleep in the afternoon. We, we encourage them to, to manage their, um, their activity levels to be able to get through to the end of the day. And I was like, well, that's all well and good, but I, if I do not sleep at three o'clock in the afternoon was my, my, I got around to my general sleep. I got it, when I got it down to 15 hours a day, I was quite happy, you know, but it was still three o'clock, time to sleep. Um, if I didn't sleep then, by seven o'clock in the evening, I was just a mess. So my three o'clock sleep ha happened to be one of the first management techniques that I had because it enabled me to get through to nine o'clock in the evening and to actually spend some time with particularly my wife because, um, yeah, massive lifestyle changes for me, massive impact on, on my life, but actually the, the impact on the rest of the family my wife became mum and dad to the kids and the foster kids because I was good for nothing. My teenage lad um, did all the kind of... Listen, I'm, I'm not a chores bloke at all. I am, I am not into DIY in any way, shape or form, but if you wanted a shelf put up wrong, I was always your man. I'd have a go eventually. <laughs> but my lad had to take all that on, cutting the wood for our log burner, um, my lad ended up doing so the impact on them was massive as much as possible and then I just got more and more I didn't realize it at the time even though I was able to manage my activity level so if I knew something was happening if I knew that it's at one o'clock there would be something I wanted to do I would make sure I had a restful period up until one o'clock so I was able to do that and then I would I'd have my three o'clock sleep planned in anyway. Um, they call it pacing, essentially. You, you, you learn to pace your activities and what you do. Um, but it, it was all those kind of things where everything else was happening and I was getting better at managing that, but I was going downhill mentally because I was just... Uh, it, it was grieving. It was, there was no doubt. It was grieving for the person I used to be and, and, and the fact that I couldn't be that person anymore. Um, and I'd been off sick for coming up to a year as well. So the job that I loved, again, I've been around long enough to know the score and you could tell the job that I loved. It was coming to an end because I just couldn't give work any answers as to when I was going to be going to be back in work and stuff. Um, and I kind of went into a dark place, really. It was, every thought was about really how crap I was, you know? Um, and while I was seeing some of these medical people, they, they would all tell me, yeah, but you, need, you also need to compare yourself to a year ago, to six months ago. Um, and I, when, I was, when I was able to do that, I could see that there was an improvement, even if it was the fact that I was now got down to 12 hours sleep 
today um, rather than, you know, the 15 or whatever it was. But I still wasn't able to to go for a run. I wasn't able to really go for much more than a 10-minute walk. without and, and the impact it would have on me, if I went for a 10-minute walk, I'd sleep for three hours. Yeah. And, no. Or if I wasn't asleep, um, I'd be in a room, in a dark room. I couldn't, couldn't cope with any stimulation at all. The brain, the impact on my brain, I'd always kind of thought I was a pretty intelligent kind of bloke. Um, and one of the many hats I used to wear when I was too busy, I used to do dementia training for um, the Dementia Friends training. And it was just raising awareness, you know, and I could see that all the kind of things I spoke about with the impacts of dementia, with the short-term memory loss, the fact that um, my sequencing was all apart. At times, I couldn't get dressed. At my worst, I couldn't get dressed in the morning. It wouldn't be unusual for me to, to put a pair of jeans on and think, I don't have to stop myself putting my boxer shorts on over my jeans. And it was yeah. maybe just because my brain was messed up. You know, um, and like I when you when you say there, Andrew, about you know small steps and and, and um, not comparing yourself to where you were, you know, two years ago, three years ago, um, it's kind of a mirroring of, of of the way you coach as well, and and the way you coach our guys is also you know don't compare yourself to where you were. Absolutely. Yeah, when you're twenty, you know, and you could eat what you want, and you played football four times a week. Compare yourself to to where you were when you started the program. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's very, so it's very true, isn't it? The, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. So you know, you can if you keep comparing, you, you're just going to create yourself uh, an immutable um, environment. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I ended up having some therapy um, early last year. To, to help me through it and and every week the, the therapist would say you know just stop the comparison what what why are you why are you doing it um and then as the weeks went on it, it kind of got easier and, and got easier um and and again you bring it back to what we tell the guys i, I was being advised to set yourself to set yourself really short simple to achieve goals so write down, you know, write down three things this week that you like about yourself. Because I wasn't having nice thoughts about myself. I was just thinking that, you know, I'd failed everybody. And that's exactly the way I felt. I thought I'd failed in my job. I love the fact that, you know, I've got man be fat in my bones kind of thing. Um, and I love the fact that I, when I'm, able to spend time with the guys and interact with the guys, I can really be a help. But I wasn't able to do that. And that was driving me bonkers. Um, but you don't, you, you don't kind of, you don't show any, any signs of improvement if you don't look for it. What does man v fat mean to you? Who's waiting to enjoy a game of football? Mental health camaraderie. Friends, football, fat loss. 
reverse my diabetes. Big, sweaty, fun. Life-changing football. Better and healthy lifestyle. Good competitive sport. Teamwork, banter and weight loss. Create a winning mentality to lose fat. Hard work regime and football. It means sustainable weight loss. Don't let the boys down and don't let yourself down. Man v fat. Weigh, play, lose, win. Yeah. Really? I'm, I'm a massive advocate of, you know, deal with deal with what you've what you've got where you are. Yeah, absolutely. You can't change it. You can't change what you've got and you can't change where you are in, in any kind of health journey. Deal with do what you've got to do where you are and do what you can. And I think it's really important to remember that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I when I was when you on your darkest day, Roger, you could never picture yourself where you are now. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, my darkest days, and uh, when I was going through the therapy, every week we'd start with a, an anxiety and depression survey. You know, one of the questions was, "Have you considered suicide?" and all this kind of. And I was never at that stage, so I know that I was in a much um, better position than so many other people get to. Um, but at my at my darkest days, I just wanted to hide from everything, hide from the world, you know. Um, but even that used to get to me because I've always been known as a gob on a stick. If you want somebody to to walk into a room and talk to a thousand people, I was your man, you know. Never bothered me. Um, but because I wasn't able to do that, even that would would kind of drive me mad. And you kind of sometimes think. What are you achieving? You know, um, I, I, I've talked to a few people about my own depression, but also depression in a wider kind of field. Quite often, it's talked about in it. You know, not seeing not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and I, I think it's worse than that. I think it's stopping to look for the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You know. And I had to kind of just flick a switch and make myself look for that light again and, and see that it might be, you know, down the road. It might, it, it isn't going to come easy. Um, before I was ill, I, when I planned to do the marathon, my training regime, I'd signed up for five half marathons throughout 2019. The Lisbon marathon was in October. Um, I'm going to do that marathon. I couldn't tell you when. But I am going to do that marathon because that is my, that's when I will know that I'm as near to the old me as I'm going to be. You know? yeah. And if I don't get to 100% of the old me now, I ain't that bothered. It's also, you are where you are and you yeah. are who you are. It doesn't necessarily change you as a person it, it changes what you can do uh, you know and it changes circumstances it doesn't necessarily change who you are no absolutely that's, yeah. that's very true of any kind of um depression or any kind of um poor mental health or any kind of health things so that's that you know you still you still who you are you just, you just can't do what you did do at some point previously in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got guys like that that we all know, you know, outside of Mandy's fact, let alone the, the guys in our leagues that have gone through varying degrees of, of that um, and, and varying degrees of, of kind of that um, just not being happy with them. 
you know and, and I think one of the one of the saddest things that 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 we can say about ourselves is not to be happy with ourselves there's, there's always something there, there's literally always something that, that we can do. I remember I remember something from when I was a kid in teaching in school told me once if you if you were to get up in the morning and fall down the stairs would you be lucky or unlucky and I said well Christ I'd, I'd be unlucky if, uh, if you walked away from it actually you're pretty lucky you know and it's about thinking that in it it's about thinking, well actually Christ I am lucky and the whole, the whole aspect of the last year with COVID and stuff certainly puts into perspective me losing a year of my life, which is what it did. Um, because I am still here. I have still got a wonderful family. You know, I am in the process of, 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 of adopting a little one that we've been fostering for three and a bit years and, and able to offer him um, a permanent life that you would never have had. It's just about looking for it, isn't it? Yeah. What was your... What When you go back to... You said you, you, you had your really dark days and you just wanted to hide. What was the opposite? What was what, what was what was your outlet? What was the what was your happy days? What what did you kind of latch on to when you, when you went, yeah, that's me, that's happy? What was... What were those... You know, weirdly enough, for somebody that had spent his entire life mocking this kind of stuff, it was when I'd had a good meditation session, when I'd really found some quiet and some rest, because at those times, all of the pain and all of the, um, all of the everything, everything, all the brain fog and everything like that, I didn't feel it. I'd sit there, I'd, I'd go up and I'd, I'd lie on the bed I put a podcast on um, or I you know I downloaded any of the, the many apps that are out there uh, and, and I just did nothing now some days that might only be 10 minutes sometimes it might be three quarters of an hour but the sense of I suppose calm that I felt at that point in a life that didn't have any calm, partly because my body wasn't letting me a lot of the time, but partly because I was exaggerating it all myself as well by, by this whole getting annoyed with it, the whole thing. Um, yeah, doing that. And then December 2019, I'd lost my job three weeks before. Um, and that was just another one of the many times where, where I'd ended up just in, in tears, you know. Um, but December 2019, I, I helped with the Christmas dinner as well. Christmas dinner is, Christmas Day is the only day of the year I've ever been any use to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Sure no, no, literally. Sure the only day of the year. Because I am... Um, predominantly crap at most things right i'm good with my job and I'm, I'm good at talking to people and stuff like that but doing i'm, I'm never the best doer really. um, but christmas day was always my day i always 
maintained that it was the one day I would do the entire meal, you know? Um, even from the night before, I'd, I'd be making my own garlic butter and putting it under the skin of the turkey and doing all the prep on the veg and all that kind of stuff. Well, in 2018, like I said, I saw an hour of Christmas Day. Um, so 2019, I, I was able... I, I say I was able to do some bits. I still got told, will you get out of this kitchen now or else? Hmm. Um, but I, I, I literally felt like a bit of use. And that's a, that's a massive thing, isn't it? Feeling like we've actually been useful. It's kind of a basic need, isn't it? Um, yeah. But I haven't felt that at all. I, I literally, because I didn't feel a burden. At that time, you know, weird, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Talking about it's weird now. Thinking back, it is. It is. Um, when you talk about uh, them kind of dark places and 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 um, you know, and, and where you're at now and and, and your headspace now, it's um, it seems like a. It must seem like a a million miles away. You came yeah. round the house, didn't you? When was that? That was yeah. December 2019, something like that. December 2019, yeah. First yeah. time we kind of met properly face to face, other than kicking yeah. up each other at the Manchester 24 hour thing. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a fair point. And I, I think I, from that time on, because I had my gripes at the time as well, and I, it's, it's fair to say. Um, but it was from that time on, losing the job and stuff made me just think, you, you've got to do something to get yourself out of this yourself. You know? Yeah. Um, and I love my man, B-Fat. I love coaching the guys in, in Taunton uh, and Bridgewater especially. I mean, Taunton's my league. There was no plan for man, B-Fat to have a league. I told Shan. I told Shan, I'm doing it. And and Shan was like, well, as long as I haven't got to do anything. <laughs> slightly derogatory, but not a lot. Um, and, and I just, so it was my baby. And I kind of set myself out that that was going to be me getting back. Once I knew I was able to do that again, I was able to get back. And, and knew that I was kind of on the right road. And then, of course, it did three weeks and we got locked down. <laughs> yeah, but so we'll talk about currently Man V Fat Challenge. Oh, wow. You are, you are the coach of the Olympus Division. Um, challenge was a, 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 an idea that was born in lockdown, you know, we, we know all that. I think guys know that listening to where Challenge came from. Give 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 us a little insight into what challenge is like from your point of view, how it works, that kind of thing. Challenge is um, it's like the start of a brand new Man Fat Football League. It's got that excitement and buzz about it um, from all of our point of view. From my point of view. It gives me an opportunity to help guys, something that's always quite really important to me. 
the, the I mean, we've had a couple of shaky moments during it as well, haven't we? In fairness, yeah, you know, we. It's we were, much was, was it was something that was um, in the early the first couple of seasons. It was it was on the fly, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first two seasons, I was captain of the Into My Fridge team, um, mainly built up of made up of guys from the southwest in the first season, and then a couple of Basin Soap guys, Colchester guys came across for the second season, and and. The lovely Emma from Basingstoke came across um, and really took the lads on. Bless her cotton socks. You know, she she said, "Right, you want it? You want a challenge? You give. I'll set. I'll do any challenge you set me." And you know what the folks are like? They are yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, so she's like, "Oh, let's do bench press. Let's do this. Let's do that. You want to do Scotch bonnets? Yeah, we'll do Scotch bonnets. You want to do a deep fried Mars bar?" We'll do a deep five miles, but here you are. Here's the video, you know. Um, so shout out to Emma, fair play to her because what she'd had one session, she'd well, three quarters of a session. Emma, Emma had, had run two sessions two before sessions. the first one, uh, and then obviously, I mean, another I think another what three or four weeks between the two lockdowns before we shut down again. So <laughs> Emma's, Emma's work has been a Miami Fat coach for over uh, over a year and it's probably run five seconds in that time. So, yeah, she's amazing and she's definitely somebody we want to we want to talk to you on the podcast in the future. Absolutely. But it, it's that, for me, challenge is that um, it's really got the community feel of a Miami Fat football league and I, and I think that's key. When you consider that the guys are from all over the country, in fact, one of the guys in this season lives in France, you know, um, and we have that community feel. The, the Zoom calls that we do are, are fully interactive. The, um, the WhatsApp group is bonkers. Well, I'll, I'll second on that one. I have never known a challenge WhatsApp, the league WhatsApp, to blow up like it does week in, week out. It's it, honestly, it's like it's there's there's some big characters in in that WhatsApp, and without them realizing it, they're real absolutely. leaders of the community. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact this season in particular, the fact that there are so many guys that are new to Manly You know, if if you look at the guys that took part in season, even in season three that are taking part now, there's probably seven or eight in there. Yeah. You know, now, yes, we've had some of the footballers come across because of lockdown, but there are so many guys that are new to Man B Fat. And you can tell it's that, my God, this is, this is, this is how blokes can talk to each other. And I don't have to feel like a bit of a knob because I'm posting a picture of what I've just cooked. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is that. It is, it is uh, instant barriers down. That, that was something that, that um, I think we worried about a little bit because the guys aren't meeting face-to-face week in, week out. I know that it was something that, will it work? Because yeah. they're, not, they're not meeting. Um, and, and particularly this season, it seems to have really, really uh, got to a stage where it actually it does feel like a man with fat football. Yeah, absolutely. Not absolutely. football. Some of the some of the team captains do weekly zooms as well. So even though they're not meeting in person, yeah, they're still meeting. 
I think um, with also I'm, I'm gonna another shout out to uh, Jeff Johnson, but he's I think over the pit over this the previous seasons he's realised that he's he's untouchable when it comes to culinary uh, efforts, um, and I think this time he's just he's he's taken a back seat and he's just gone. Do you know what? I'm gonna share yeah. what I know, um, and so he he's not just posting the final final uh, outcome of, of his of his efforts he's now showing either videos or photos before and the process that leads him up to that um and a, a lot of there's, there's like a little um almost like a, a bug like a positive bug around that in the whatsapp group in the community group because people like you know and it's oh what was it someone said someone said right every week we'll post in the um post in the league and Jeff has got to rate my plate. Rate, and literally, people will be posting there. So hashtag rate my plate, Jeff. And I think that is absolutely, yeah, absolutely. brilliant. Thank you for listening to the Man Be Fat podcast. My name is Kevin Ailing. And like most men who have joined thinking they're joining Man Be Fat, I have my own story to tell to inspire others. And if you want to come on and share your story, just message us on podcastmanbefat.com. And we we changed the scoring slightly, haven't we, Stu, as well? So we now choose the top three dishes. Uh, although last week I couldn't I couldn't separate two of them, so it ended up being the top four last week because. The Spanish meals last week were just immense. I was absolutely, I think, I'm going to say, I'm going to go on record and say, I think that was the best week on the food challenge we've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. And the most Top. interactive. Yeah, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, and, and, yeah and, I mean, I've got a guy in, in challenge from Bridgewater. Um, shout out to Steve Swan, bless him. And he, he's a Scottish guy and... I've known Steve for probably three or four years now. And the only food I've ever really talked to, to, to Steve about, um, other than part of a, a weigh-in, is to take the mickey about deep-fried Mars bars, really, with his Scottish roots. Because every, every time he used to go to Scotland to see the family, he'd come back and he'd put weight on, you know? Um, but the... the Fish dish that his Spanish fish dish that he cooked last week was immense, absolutely immense. Um, yeah, it, 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 I suppose community is, is a really good word for the challenge. Um, What's your favorite challenge that we've done so far, Roger? Oh, god, um, uh, don't ask him what challenge video is his favorite because the challenge <laughs> videos just amuse me every day, every week. Um, <laughs> They amuse you when we're recording them. I get the short end of the stick. <laughs> what can I say? You're, you're my, uh, you know... Robin to your Batman. <laughs> Rod Rodney to your yes, Del Boy. Correct. That's that I want to say that one. <laughs> yeah, you you we, both could be that lucky-likey, to be fair. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> In a few years. I always think I'm... She's more of a... Um, what's the robbers called out of uh, Home Alone? I think she's a joke, is she? Is it Marv or Harry? Yeah, yeah, I'll take that one. We did, um, in the last season, we, well, no, 
second season when we did a the international food. And I picked, I picked <laughs> Russian food for my team, right? And, and no, actually, Emma did. Air, Emma did. In fact, no, Emma's stepson did pick Russian, right? And we did it live on Zoom. And everybody's face, you saw their faces drop. You know? Um, but that that was probably probably one of my favourites because that that what they produced and how much they actually got into it. And you've got these these grown hairy ass men googling Russian food and what they can do. I mean, fair play, fair play. I think the this 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 season's challenge um, certainly. I think it was a genius idea. I think that came from the back end of last season was the bingo card. Um, and there was on this on this week's bingo card is phone a friend that you've not spoke to for a long time uh, or, you, or who you generally just want to catch up with. And I think that to me that's proper giving me a window into how men react to things because the joy, I mean that WhatsApp group has been you know filling up with oh my god I've just spoken to one of the guys I actually went to school with and these these are these are lads in the in the 40s um and we had just we had a great catch up and um i were on for hours and things like that and to me that is a, a spirit lifting um activity and you forget about you know it's not just weight losses uh, um you know the physical challenges and the food challenges are, are certain the mainstream of it but when you want a better lifestyle and carry on a lifestyle with your mental health it's them yeah. little things actually add and add and add that you, you, you normally forget about. And That's do. the thing that we try to do is we, we I wanted to look at uh, a more holistic approach to it. So it wasn't just about the weight loss, getting out, doing your free exercises, doing the challenge. I wanted it to be more of um, helping you be in a better place for weight loss and, and, and maintain that weight loss and, and, and all that kind of thing. And I think that employing the scorecard each week probably is a little step towards doing that, which is good. So we always say, we always say, don't we, with it, you know, losing weight in its most simple form, losing weight is, is the base, the process of it is quite easy, isn't it? The problem yeah. is that life gets in the way and all the shit that comes with that, and that's what kind of takes the priority away from create a calorie deficit, get your exercise in, drink plenty of water, you know, simple, simple stuff. Um, but talking to somebody, I mean, listening to one of the guys on the Zoom last night saying, we just talked crap for 45 minutes. And that holistic, um, that holistic thing is, it's even more important. I mean, how many times have you had conversations with people lately to say, you know what, this lockdown is the hardest so far? Yeah. None of us expected to still be in lockdown, did we, when, when we went into it originally. Um, the fact that the weather's been crap and the, the, the dark nights are in so early, um, homeschooling, everybody in the world is just so fed up with homeschooling. Um, and it, it's just hard, isn't it? So if we can do anything that just gives somebody 45 minutes talking crap on the phone, somebody they've not talked to in ages. Fair play. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Roger. 
absolutely amazing to have you on. No worries. Uh, just a man with fat legend, mate. Honestly, I cannot say anything more. We wouldn't be where we are with Challenge without, without you being involved, Roger, as, as a coach. You know, it was a bit of a no brainer for me when we were looking if we bring him as a coach. It, was, it, never, it wasn't another, it never even hit my head to have anybody else. I thought oh, we, need, we need Roger really because he knows what, what, what it's all about. So, yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, you've got an amazing kind of attitude to where you've been over the last couple of years and, and, and everything like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the challenge and, and the football in general, uh, I've always, it does as much for me as, as I do for the guys. You know, and, and even at the awards the other day, to have some of the guys saying the lovely things that they did, um, I get, I get as much out of it as anybody that I've ever been involved with coaching, believe me. And to see them... You know, even to see them when they when they post, the, even the new guys in challenge, I cannot believe. I put a, I, I worked, sat on a sat on a scales today, halfway through the week, and I've lost a kilo and a half. I, I've never done that before in my life. Yeah. Well, that that just makes me smile. It just makes me feel good. Just quickly, uh, Roger, before we before we go, where? What's your favourite team name? <laughs> I wonder why you've asked. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the favourite one that I've got, and then I'll tell you the favourite one that I've refused to allow. So okay. my favourite, believe it or not, and I, I'm a, I'm ashamed to say it, looking at his face on the screen, is Lam Shank Redemption. I just think it's amazing. <clears throat> Thank you. As, as I said to Rom on on WhatsApp, I can't resist Lam Shank. Every time it's on a menu, it's got to go. Well, I was going to call it Hamshank. Hey, Canada! <laughs> one of the one of the teams in in Bridgewater that I had to veto was not in my mum's forest. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't let them. I just couldn't. <laughs> um, that's um, that's impressive to quote me something like that. You know, you have those conversations sometimes, and you think. Oh, he's not going to be happy. I'm not letting him have this. <laughs> and the guy just said, it was worth a go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have allowed that. I don't care. I would have allowed I that. mean, at the time as well, I was doing, I was doing quite a lot of media. Um, and you can just guarantee, can't you, that they'd want a, a team captain or something. And he'd be the only one available. And it would be on the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Not in my mum's forest, man be fabric Yeah, it would definitely, definitely, they would get a quote from that guy. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for coming on the podcast. No worries, mate. Um, I, I've got a feeling we'll have you back on at some point as well. Anytime, anytime, we'll just show. We'll, we'll, we'll get you a hat trick, ball. Hey. Take care, guys. Cheers, Raj. Shut up.